Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on cage.press.com. I'm Danny Gooby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC may be off this week, but that doesn't mean that we are. We're still giving you guys all the great content you know and love, including two interviews with fighters on the upcoming February 4th UFC Vegas 68 show. First, we'll be talking to Marcin Tybura, who fights Blago Ivanov. And a little bit later on in the show, we'll be talking to Adam Fugit, who is fighting Yasaku Kinoshita. But sandwiched in between the middle of there, we're bringing back the combat countdown. This week, we are counting down the five women who we think the UFC should sign right now. That's right, five free agents that we think, or rather, five regional fighters who we think the UFC needs to get on that sooner rather than later. But before we get to any of that great content for you, I do have to let you know that this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by the Picket app. The Picket social betting platform allows you to sync all your bets from all your sports books in one nice, neat little spot helping you stay on top of the ways that you're most profitable. Not only that, but it's a great place to connect with other bettors, whether you're showing off your big scores to some of your friends or trying to gain a following in the sports betting community. Picket has you covered. New veteran and experienced bettors all have joined the Picket community. So what are you waiting for? Download the Picket app on the Google Play Store or the App Store today and get in on the fun. The Picket app brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready, the fighters are ready, listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. And joining me today is Marcin Tybura, who fights Blagoy Ivanov at UFC Vegas 68. That fight is on February 4th. So, Marcin, before we get into talking about you and that fight and the big stuff coming up, it's worth mentioning the heavyweight division is as crazy as it's ever been. We are recording the day after all of these insane announcements. Francis Ngannou has left the company. They've got a title fight set between Surreal Gain and John Jones. What are sort of your thoughts on all that, you know, has been unveiled in the last 24 hours? Uh, it's, it's been crazy. I just woke up and saw the news. And uh, it, I'm, it's uh, surprising me a uh, couple of things. I mean, I was, uh, you mean all this talking about John Jones coming to the heavyweight division was, was taking so long that I thought it will never happen. So that's one thing. And other thing is uh, they didn't get the agreement with Francis, which which is crazy because I think France, uh, which I, I thought Francis uh, was doing well in the UFC and I'm pretty sure they, they wanted to pay pay him well, but he didn't accept it. So uh, it's it's also crazy, but, you know, still, it's a very interesting matchup with the serial game and uh, can't wait to see it. Yeah, and, and just getting your early thoughts on it, have you have you thought about how a fight between Surreal Gain and John Jones would go down? Do you got a pick for that one? With well, the the one that's happening, the Serial Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you know, I uh, uh, like um, I was thinking that uh, John Jones, uh, when he gained so much muscle, so much weight for the heavyweight division, he wouldn't uh, be, you know. Same fighter as a as a light heavyweight, so I was thinking he wouldn't be doing well. But the fight with Cyril Gain, I 
I see that uh, even though uh, Cyril is, is is very good uh, foot movement, he he can you know run on, on his feet. Uh, he's he doesn't have that strong wrestling, and I think uh, John Jones have a bigger advantage here uh, in wrestling and on the ground. Uh, I think that will be the key. So uh, I'm think I'm uh, putting like a sixty to forty for John. I like that. I like that. Now, I, I got to ask you how, how this makes you feel about your place in the division, too, right? Because you're coming off this massive win over a big prospect. You've won, you know, six out of seven fights. You're you're in a really good spot in the top ten of this division. Does it feel more open and sort of like anything can happen at the division at this time? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because, I, like, before, I, just, I was thinking about, uh, you know, I'm in my mind always like I want to fight for the title one day, and uh, as as long as the Francis was there, that was a big that was a big fight because he was a superstar of the heavyweight division. Everyone loves him and everyone wants to see him fighting because he's huge and he's you know he 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 puts the respect on <laughs> on other people. And but right now uh, he's gone, and you know I think John John is is bigger star. In a in MMA world, much bigger. Uh, so the the you know the the goal is still there. I want to fight for the for the title one day, and if there will be John Jones uh, instead of Francis. I'm I'm fine with that. Even you know, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Now I also wanted to ask you about some of the other titles going on too, because this is not the only belt that's vacant right now. The light heavyweight belt is also vacant right after one of your countrymen, Jan Blankovic fought for it, fought to a draw really weird circumstances What were your thoughts on Jan's fight for the title and, and kind of how that one shook out. Um, that was crazy fight. Uh, you know, you wouldn't expect this happening. And, you know, I saw it like uh, Jan has a very good plan, uh, with those low kicks and uh you know magomed was uh you know struggling there and you know uh the plan the game plan of jan blahovic you know just 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 make magomed to change his plan he game plan that that jan didn't like didn't like at all i mean uh he 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 went for you know uh the pressure, uh, wrestling, uh, and all these things that Jan don't like, and you know that's that's made him winning those. You know the the second part of the fight, but you know I, it's it's been so far. When when I watched this fight, I I was thinking like Jan lose that fight, but as I, as I'm thinking about how judge how 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 you know how the rules of judging are. I was thinking that the draw, the draw is still something that you can defend in this fight. So it, it's crazy. I rather, I, I rather someone winning this title, even though if there was a Magomed, but still, you know, it, it's it's MMA. It, judges have some rules, and, mm. and all all this happened. I'm just. I'm just feeling sorry for Jan because he's my friend. I was even helping him to prepare for this fight. So I was really sh sorry for Jan because he didn't know how close he was to win this fight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in this in this uh, five, fifth round, he was like already, you know, gave up. And I, I think it was enough to not not let, uh, you know, get any that much damage to win this fight. And he you know he he probably 
was very disappointing after seeing the scorecards of this one. For sure, for sure. I think we all were a little bit because we all wanted to see somebody crown that night. Now, yeah. let's get to talking about your upcoming fight too because as I mentioned, you're on a hell of a roll. You just finished beating Alexander Romanov, a guy everybody was talking about being the future of the division. You get turn around and you get a guy who's down the rankings from you again. You know, you're a, you're a top 10 guy, but you're getting somebody right on the edge of the rankings. Were, were you okay with that booking? Did you want somebody a, a little bit higher up? Or is this about what you wanted for this fight? I I did want to someone as, as higher ranking, but I was waiting so long for these fights and uh, they didn't offer me anyone, uh, you know, higher ranking. So I just accepted because I, I, at this point of my career, I, ju I just feel good. I just feel I can fight. I can fight with anybody. So I was just thinking, as long as it's not a champion, <laughs> championship fight, uh, I, he, it can be whoever. It just, you know, it just either uh, climbing rankings on making money right now. But <laughs> I don't feel like, uh, I know some might say that uh, I'm, I'm turning thir 38 this year, but I'm still, you know, feeling like I'm improving every year that I don't feel anything like uh, I, sh I should be rushing anything or something. So as long as, as you know, people accept uh, me to fight, I'm, I'm very happy to, you know, to, to give them chance to, to climb the ranking, but, but it's not going to happen. I'm, I'm winning this fight. <laughs> well, I like that mentality. I like that mentality of staying busy. Now I, I got to ask too, when this fight was originally announced, a lot of people thought this fight card was going to be in Korea. W was that the case for you too? Did you think you were originally flying out to Korea to fight there? Uh, as uh, When I just got the offer to fight, I knew it was supposed to be in Korea, but they already said that it might ha not happen in Korea, but Vegas. So uh, there was not any of the time when I was thinking I'm, I'm flying to Korea. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, that's, so didn't ex didn't expect to visit the country, although it would be much more fun to go to Korea because I've been in Vegas like uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know over t over ten times. So so yeah, I would love to go to Korea. Well, and that was going to be my next question for you too. Like, would you have wanted to go to Korea? Obviously, it's it's a new place and it's fun, but in the same token, it's new, right? Like you you've got the vibes of Vegas. You know where to train in Vegas. You know how to get ready in Vegas. But like. Korea is a new deal. Would you have rather the new place or the, the place that's comfortable? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to go to Korea. I've been I've been fighting all over the world, so uh, and and I never been in Korea, so I would love to go. But you know, it's it, it's not happening this time. But I hope in the future, when there will be a holding any card there, I, I I will be on it. So yeah, it's, you never know. For sure, for sure. Now let let's get to talking about the fight a little bit too, because you mentioned you know Blago Ivanov being a guy a little bit down the rankings, but you're ready to take anybody. And you've also said, you know, there's no way he's climbing the rankings on your name. Tell me a little bit about how you feel about this stylistic matchup. What, what do you see as the, the biggest uh, advantages you have in the fight? Um, I, I see a couple. I, I know a uh, lot of my fights don't, don't, don't say it, but I'm just still feeling like, uh, as I said, I'm improving in, uh, you know, every aspect. So I just feel like... Uh, Stand-up will be on my side, even the wrestling or grappling. And I, I just feel more complete fighter. Uh, I I see uh, Blagoj as a tough fighter. He's very, very tough and really hard to finish. He can strike. He 
um, I know he has a big sambo background and he was like maybe probably was the champion of the world in sambo so he might not show it in the fights but he knows how to you know how to wrestle and how to grapple but right now I just I'm just telling you whatever I I see whatever I do on on the sparring everything is right there and I I just feel it like uh you know there will be um different quality of marching to Bora in this fight and 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 that's it that will be enough well, and so then I always like to end these things with a prediction. Give me a prediction. How how does it end with Blagoje Ivanov on February fourth? Um, I can give you like uh, I just uh, feel like an, I can go hard right from the beginning and hopefully finish it in uh, in the first or second round. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This has been Marcin Tibera, who fights Blagoje Ivanov at UFC Vegas sixty eight. That fight once again is on February fourth. Marcin, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Marcin Tibera. I once again am Daniel Govey Freeland, joined now by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, so much unveiled in the UFC 283 aftermath. There's probably way too much we could talk about from retirements to next matches. But I want to ask you about a performance because Jamal Hill goes out there and he beats Glover Teixeira. Becoming the champion, uh, sort of an unlikely champion in all of this, but he beats Glover Teixeira largely by stuffing takedowns and forcing him to box with him. What was your thoughts on the performance of Jamal Hill, and maybe where does he stand as being, I don't know, is he the best 205-er? No, he probably isn't the best 205-er. I picked Jury to come back and reclaim his title off Jamal Hill, but I don't want to take away from Hill's performance. It was very good. He has a lot of length, both in his legs and his arms. He was able to, you know, snap that jab. Uh, he's a good striker, hands down a little bit, but sometimes that kind of funky striking, it's great in wins. And if you get caught, then everyone says you're an idiot. But that all being said, uh, the kicks also, I just don't really recall him having finding a home for that head kick as much as I saw on Saturday night. That also could have just been Glover was having trouble picking it up, but it's a weapon that's there for him. So I don't want to take it away. And the big thing was his evolution in takedown defense. You know, I think you were the one who brought up to me in his UFC debut. He got taken down like six times. And here we saw him really have very good technique avoiding takedowns. Um, He's a young guy. He's progressing. And uh, I don't think we've seen the fully finished product of Hill. So there is room to improve for sure. But if I was a betting man, which I am, you know, I think this belt's going to be a bit of a hot potato for the next year to two years. And I picked Jerry to beat him. I'd probably beat uh, or pick Ankylo to beat him. Um, I could see him upsetting Jan maybe. But, you know, I just don't think he's going to be a dominant champion is where I'm going with it. But at the same time, he's still young and upcoming and could evolve into something even better than what we see now. What do you think? Yeah, same exact thing. The big thing for me is it seems like he's evolving. So So often we see... Some of these guys who are younger for their division, and he's not super young, but young for the, the light heavyweight division. We see these younger guys come up and, and have lots of success knocking people out or doing this or doing that. And you don't see a ton of evolution from them. So to see so much from him right now is obviously a positive sign. But to your point, uh, right now I'm picking Yuri unless we see more out of him. Right now I'm picking Ankolaev unless we see more out of him. I might pick Jan. Again, that, that's right about where I see him. If for some reason Jan got the next title shot, which I think is 
pretty highly unlikely. Like, I think I'd still maybe pick Jan. So he he's definitely one of the top five guys. But again, weird circumstance leads to the, the title shot, and he made the most of it. So props to him for that. Yep, agreed completely. Uh, any other items we should be discussing about 283? Uh, I mean, like, not really, because I, I think the Moreno thing has sort of solved itself. Like, I, people claiming for a, a fifth shot at... At that, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Just don't run it back a fifth time. That's the dumbest idea I've ever seen. Uh, Henry Cejudo said it should have been a disqualification. Can you tell who he used to train? Um, but like at the, at the end of the day, you know, Moreno was better. Uh, Moreno was better. It was a legal shot that took out Figueredo. It wasn't like it looked like Figueredo was taking over that fight. It looked like the exact opposite, that he was getting blasted. So I don't need to see that again. Um you know, I mean, maybe my only other big takeaway is I do love the resurgence of angry Gilbert Burns, like Gilbert Burns with a purpose, uh, because that's what it looked like in his fight with Neil Magny. He looked like he was going in there like he was not getting paid by the hour. Uh, and I, I like that version of Gilbert Burns. It's nice to see him like, you know, sort of take risks and go for it again. So but apart from that, yeah, no, most of that that card went pretty much how I expected well, I'll tell you it's not going to go how people expect it, and that's our comeback countdown that we're breaking out this week. It's our favorite segment on the show. Well, tied for our favorite segment on the show, but when no fights to break down so we can't do fights, dogs, and parlays, we like to dust off the old skill set. Shout out P.F. Chang's, but dust off the old skill set and uh, break out our combat countdown. And this week, it's going to be the top five women fighters who the UFC should sign. So ladies outside the UFC currently that the UFC should sign to fill out their ranks. Uh, and we're only doing it for weight classes that the UFC actually has. So don't expect any 145ers in here. But Gumby, before we get to our combat countdown for the week, I wonder... Everyone wonders, does anyone sponsor this edition of Combat Countdown? Absolutely. The Combat Countdown is brought to you by MyBookie. Your favorite athletes always strive to put themselves in a winning position, and it's about time that you did too with MyBookie. MyBookie has the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill all your sports betting needs anytime, anywhere. Bet on the best in combat sports like the UFC or play for a share of big cash prizes in their weekly blackjack tournaments. Sign up at MyBookie and use promo code TOTTURTLE on a deposit of 500 bucks or more, and you can claim a bonus of up to $200. Again, that's promo code TOTTURTLE to claim a brand new deposit bonus designed for bettors looking to get their cash in and out quickly. Experience sports in a whole new light and make this season a winning one. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Boom. All right. Well, before we get to the actual top five, top five of women's fighters the UFC should sign, let's talk about an honorable mention. And our honorable mention just outside the top five is Shauna Bannon. Yeah, so Shauna Bannon fighting out of Invicta, and uh, also she fights at a couple of European promotions. It's worth noting that we decided for this combat countdown not to include anybody from Bellator. The UFC is not stealing any talent from Bellator or 1FC or PFL. And I also included KSW, too, because they're pretty good at locking down their fighters. And, uh, you know, not a lot of defects coming from there to the UFC. So I went to Invicta first for Shauna Bannon. I, I think I would have put her in my top five had she not only been 4-0. Because the thing is, is she's super entertaining. She trains under Patty the Hooligan uh, who, who is turning into a really great coach after being in the UFC and being pretty good in his own right. Um, and I think the fact that she's Irish also is a little bit extra because the, the UFC does like hitting that, you know, that, that Irish and UK market over there. So 
you know, the fact that she's Irish, the fact that she's super exciting to watch fight, her last fight in Invicta was was very fun, and the fact that she seems to be racking up wins very quickly, I think we'll have her in this list sooner rather than later. But right now, just outside of the top five, uh, Shauna Bannon. All right, now let's get to the actual meat and potatoes of what brought us to this list or what brought us to this week's edition of Combat Countdown. Here are the top five most important female fighters the UFC should sign. Let's start with number five, Tina Black. 115-pounder in Invicta currently. Yeah, so I win another Invicta one. She is fresh off of winning that one-night tournament uh, for Invicta, picking up the title. She's definitely shown improvements in her grappling. Um, you guys might also know her by the name of Valeska Machado, who, uh, you know, she bounces between using those two names. But bottom line is, is the fact that she, like we were just talking about with Jamal Hill, is evolving the parts of her game. You know, she didn't look so hot when she fought on Contender Series. And since then, she's really turned things around. I think the growth in her game is really good. I think she's really close to the UFC giving another shot to. Wouldn't surprise me to see her on Contender Series this uh, late summer, early fall. Um, But Tina Black is one to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, we'll move then to uh, a different promotion, but stay at the same weight class, 115 pounds. Josephine Nutson out of UAE Warriors, number four. Yeah, UAE Warriors uh, recently snatched up Josephine Nutson because she was fighting uh, for the road to the UFC in that like fun little sideshow the UFC was doing. She looked phenomenal in the fight she was in. However, she had an opponent who just kind of didn't engage her all that much. She's a real exciting kickboxer. I think that is something that the UFC always loves in their their young women prospects. Um, you know, she's got tons of kickboxing experience, so she's always going to be fun to watch. And so she has put together a really nice resume in a very short period of time, fought for a promotion that's kind of in the UFC, and now is going to get a chance to fight maybe one of the best Australian uh, prospects in Jacinta Austin in UAE Warriors. Whoever wins that fight in February, 100% the UFC should sign them. Um, and I think it's going to be nuts. I think her, her kickboxing is just too good, um, and we're going to see her in the UFC pretty quickly. Uh, number three, we'll go all the way to WLF MMA, which I'm sure you'll break down for us what that actually is. And we're talking about Huishang Dong, 125-pound fighter. Yeah, Huishang Dong is a fighter out of WLF MMA, which, if you don't know, is a promotion which pretty much every single Chinese prospect comes up through. She is an absolute bulldozer of a wrestler. She's super aggressive. She's 10-2 and two right now. The two losses came very early in her career when she kind of just, like, you know, stepped up a little bit too fast, which we've seen also with another, you know, amazing Chinese fighter in Weili Zhang. She lost her first fight and hasn't lost since. Uh... Huashang, or well, hasn't lost with the exception of Rose Namajunas, uh, but Huashang uh, Dong is just like a completely different type of fighter. She comes from an amateur wrestling background, and I think that itself is going to cause a lot of problems for women. We've talked about how there's not much wrestling, not many wrestlers in the 125 pound division, and Aaron Blanchfield is sort of making hay because she's a really good wrestler. I think we could see Dong do a very similar thing. All right, then let's get to number two, getting down to the nitty gritty. We go back to Invicta, stay at 125 pounds. It's Ketlin Souza. Yeah, Ketlin Souza just had a phenomenal performance against Christina Williams, which I thought about putting Christina Williams on this when we were talking about doing this already. Uh, and then five days before we started recording, she lost to Ketlin Souza. So Ketlin Souza catapults up onto the list because she looks so good in that fight. And she's now won five straight. And if you go back to her losses, 
you know, she lost to a Dame Cardoso, who wound up being in PFL, and Ariane Carnalosi, who was in the UFC shortly thereafter. So she's a fighter who has lost to two high-level fighters and since then has just rattled off win after win after win and is doing so stopping people, too. So, yeah, I think Ketwin Souza, it's only a matter of time before we see her in the UFC. All right, well, let's get to number one, and we'll do a quick review here. We had Shauna Bannon as our just-outside-the-top-five honorable mention. Tina Black coming in at number five. Josephine Nutson, number four. Uh, Hua Sheng Dong at number three. And we just talked about Ketlin Salza, but here is the number one prospect fighter outside the UFC, organiza- outside the UFC in another organization that the UFC should fight. So Dana White, listen up. It's Melissa Dixon, 135-pounder out of Aries Fighting. Yeah, I really like Melissa Dixon, and I put her at number one for a couple of reasons. Even though she's only 5-0, first of all, she's British. You know, I, I talked about the them loving the Irish-slash-UK market here, and Melissa Dixon is a, a great way to get in on that market. In addition to that, she's 135 pounds. There's not a lot of 135 pounders in the UFC. That division 100% needs to fill itself out more. And she's got a great amateur career to back up the 5-0 record since she's turned pro. She fought for IMMAF uh, in both the European circuits and in the world championships. And since then, Aries signed her as only a 2-0 prospect or a 3-0 prospect. She's rattled off a couple of wins there against very high-level competition. She's so aggressive with her boxing. She's vicious. She moves forward. She's not afraid of anything. And she's out there finishing people all the time with her hands. So I think the fact that she gets in wars, but is like still manages to stay technically sound through all of that. It's just a recipe for the UFC to say, hey, that's a really exciting fighter to watch. She's in a market that we want to capitalize on. I think Melissa Dixon deserves to be signed by the UFC. Boom. That wraps up this edition of Combat Countdown. We sure hope you enjoyed it. But hey, let us know if we got this right or got this completely wrong. We can be reached at Top Turtle MMA and most of your social media spaces that you probably frequent other than Facebook. We don't mess with Facebook. But Gumby, we are having fun here. Let's not stop the party. Where should we go next? We're going to transition now to my interview with Adam Fugit, who, like Marcin Tybura, will be fighting on that February 4th card in the Apex. We're going to talk about that fight with Yasaku Kinoshita, as well as the idea that they moved this to Vegas from Korea and whether or not he liked that change. We'll get to all that great content in just a moment, but before we do, I have to let you know that this interview is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and so much more. Ditch that dirty jiu-jitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. Maroon Social brings you this interview with Adam Fugate. All right, and joining me today is Adam Fugate, who fights Yusaku Kinoshita at UFC Vegas 68. That fight, once again, is on February 4th. So, Adam, I wanted to start by talking about your UFC debut because, you know, it's a circumstance not a lot of fighters want to be in but find themselves in often. You fight a hot prospect on just day's notice. You put a gritty effort in there. Did you have any big takeaways? What did did you feel like in there given the, the kind of unfortunate circumstances? You know, my takeaways from that fight going back is, uh, you know, <laughs> nine days notice isn't ideal, but hey, that's, uh, you know, that was the timeline we were given and I'm not turning it down. Um, you know, realistically, the biggest thing was 
you know, um, your, and your defense accountability and just, you know, knowing where you're at at all times. I got overextended in that third round and my opponent, you know, um, as most of the opponents I think in the UFC are going to be, they're going to be, you know, real quick to jump on a mistake and, you know, credit Michael Alex for doing that. And, you know, he jumped on the mistake and, and got me out of there. For sure. And, and so you mentioned, you know, you kind of overextended yourself and kind of went for it maybe a little more than you would have otherwise. Did you feel physically okay in there? Because I know obviously a nine-day weight cut is nothing that anybody wants to put themselves through. But how, how did you feel physically in a, a fight like that? You know, I, I felt – physically I felt fine. I felt okay. I, I definitely am not going to say that uh, if I had a longer camp, I wouldn't have had a better gas tank. I would have had a little bit more in there. Um uh, there was a little bit of miscommunication um, just between me and my coaches in the, in the corner. Um, we wanted to get back in on a, a good takedown. And uh, the way they, they wanted me to do it was to, to kind of like the first one, you know, let, let him come in, you know, throw a couple shots and try to get tie-ups off of a, a couple of, of shots, you know, that he threw that I could block or parry. And, I think the the mental fatigue <laughs> was there, and all I heard was get a hold of him, put him up, you know, however you can, put him up against the fence, get a hold of him, and try and try to drag him to the ground. And you know, um, I think that was just the 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 mistake that uh, you know I made in the time. I should have backed off the throttle a little bit more, knowing my gas tank was, you know, it was is a little low. So yeah, that that was definitely the miscommunication and the. And right after that, you know, I should have got out there on a, a hard reset and got my space back and started working again. But uh, just gas tank was low, mental fatigue, and having that mindset of let, let's get this thing to the ground, let's drag him to the ground, take him to deep waters, and I made a mistake and overextended. That makes a lot of sense. Now, obviously, this is a much better situation. You get, get this fight with plenty of notice. You know exactly when you're going to fight, who you're going to fight, and you know how long you're going to get to prepare for it. Tell us a little bit about the training camp now. Have there been big things you've been working on? What, what are we going to see different in Adam Fugit this time? Oh, man. You know, yeah, there's been a lots of, lots of time to prepare. Um, I went to the UFC PI. I, I did a bunch of testing. Um, you know, I basically set myself up to uh, – <laughs> I didn't realize at the time, but, you know, um, I guess it's hindsight – you don't want to go there and then tell you, oh yeah, you know, you've, you aced all of our tests here. You're, you know, you're, you're perfect. You know, that, that would leave no room for growth. You would think, you could, at least that's how I'm, I'm thinking about it. I went there and they basically told me, oh man, you're, you're below average here, here, and here in your weight division, and you can bring these things up and, and get stronger. And, and um, I, I've, I've taken that back to my camp and decided to put on a little bit more muscle and try to add some more strength. Um, worked on my agility a lot um, since going against a guy like Michael Morales kind of opened up my eyes to, to how easy it was for him to move around. So I've been working on my agility a little bit. And then as well as just, you know, um, my, my game plan for the fight, uh, you know, um, trying not to break my base, trying to, to keep my, my opponent out there at my range and working, you know, behind my, my offense. So, um, and with that, just, um, yeah, I'm thankful for the long camp, but we're also, I'm in this part of the camp now where it's been, it's real growing, it's taxing, it's getting down to the nitty gritty and, 
I'm just ready to fight. I'm ready to hop in there. I, I wish it was this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I get that feeling. I get that feeling. Now, I, I got to ask, though, it, it's a de- especially a grueling camp because, like you just said, you're, you're putting a lot of more work into strength and conditioning and stuff like that. Has that ever been, like, a really big part of your camp? Do you feel like maybe you've overlooked that in your career, or is it just a different emphasis? It's, you know, more emphasis kind of thing. Um, As far as cardio, um, I feel like I've always had a gas tank. I mean, yeah, my cardio was running out a little bit on nine days' notice, but <laughs> in any other fight, you know, I I have, more, you know, I have a, a whole – another can of reserves i'm ready to go there's i've never had any issues with cardio so that that's not my big concern but um strength you know strength training um that stuff i've always just been the guy that gets in the gym and 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 trains mixed martial arts um i've never been i i don't take pride in lifting i i don't like moving weights around the the only thing i care about moving around is my opponent right so that I've just never really, you know, took in, you know, I've never really put any value on that stuff for myself just because it's not been my, you know, my favorite thing to do. But I've, you know, lit a fire and, and create a passion for this this camp and, you know, um, I've really took to it. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not um, ignoring all the other things. My, my passion is still mixed martial arts. It's still getting in there. And it's been nice to see. Um, some of the changes where, you know, um, hey, in the past, this guy, there's no way I can do this to this person. It's, it's going to be met by a brick wall. They're just going to be too strong. I'll have to work around them and try to, you know, try to get to their legs a little bit. And, you know, it's been nice to kind of see the, the strength and the power come through. And it's like, oh, wow, I can do this now. So it'll be interesting to see how it um, it plays out in the cage. With my other instinct. Absolutely. We're, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're excited to he- see it. Now, I, I got to ask, too, because, you know, we mentioned opponent hasn't changed. You've got that date early. You, you had a full fight camp. But there is one thing that did change during this fight camp, and that's the location of your fight. Because we've gone back and forth on a couple of different places it might be, including it, a lot of people thought this fight was originally supposed to be in Korea. It, it's now back in Vegas, a little bit more of an easy place for you to get to. How do you sort of feel about the places it changed? Were you looking forward to Korea? Are you glad it's in Vegas? It, it's a it's a mixed bag, right? Um, I'm happy that I don't have to. I've been hearing all these dreaded horror stories of jet lag and and all this and time change and and all this stuff you know, when you travel across country. And um, I definitely didn't want to deal with those. Um, so it's nice that it's going to be back in Las Vegas. Um, I would, you know, it's in the apex. I haven't fought there. Um, at the end of the day, it's a fight to fight. Um, feeling the fans in Dallas, that was amazing. Um, feeling the, the, the crowd, the venue, that that was awesome. I want to feel that again. Um, going to South Korea, you know, that's why we get in this for is, to, you know, is a little bit of the travel that's involved, getting to see new places, different uh, countries, different ways of living i was excited to kind of you know take that all in i was excited to to put on a show for the korean fans and and do my part to to help the ufc you know really get a foothold over there and um you know just i wanted to put on an entertaining fight for them Uh, so i am disappointed i don't get to go do that but you know it is what it is um we're in the apex 
And, uh, you know, February 4th, it's going to be go time. Absolutely. Now, I, I got to ask you a little bit about your opponent, too, because he is, like your first opponent in the UFC, like a young prospect, a guy people are talking about. You know, he's he's sort of carrying his country's flag into the apex here. And, in, in, you know, at 22 years old, you know, really young, hot prospect. And they give you a second one just like this. Did you see his fight on Contender Series? Did you know anything about Kinoshita before this fight? And and if so, what did you think of him? Uh, I've done I've done some research. Um, I've watched most of his um, I've watched most of his fights now, or at least what I could find. Um, I watched his Contender Series fight. Um, yeah, another super athletic kid that has a lot of trust and and belief in his hands and his power. You know, um, kind of got that Kyokushin style. You know, really bladed in and out movement. Um, yeah, uh, he likes to come forward and and switch stances and. Um, <laughs> I, you know, absolutely. I, I, I can't say anything besides you. Definitely feel like I'm a little bit of the gatekeeper for these guys coming in, but you know, um, that doesn't bother me so much. I, I know my place right now, and I, all I can do is uh, go in there and and put on a show and do my best, and and um, you know, I show these guys that I, I want to work my way up the ladder, uh, but you know, um, I'm not turning down a fight, so. <laughs> Well, well, you're going to change the narrative on February 4th, so give us a prediction. How do you do that? What does it look like uh, at the end of that fight? I keep telling everybody I, I want to get the KO, but and, and I do. I want to go in there and put on a performance, put, a, put on an entertaining fight, you know. Um, but really, I, I'm, there, I'm looking for the finish. I, I, anywhere I can get it, any way I can, can get it, um, I, I want to go for the finish. I want to be known as an entertaining fighter, um, somebody that the fans see, on the card and go, Oh, Hey, that there's that guy again. You know, he doesn't put on a dull moment. Um, so yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going in there. Um, KO would be first, but if I got, you know, take him down and, and put it to him there and get the ref to stop it, I'll do it or, or, or use my, my submission games. Um, I, you know, I am a, a little bit aggravated myself in the, in the last fight. I gave up a, a good opportunity to get my guy to the ground and I, I kind of rushed through a guard pass and paid the price for it. And I want to show everybody, you know, Hey, that was a, if there was any first fight in the UFC jitters, it was right there. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I want to go in there and settle down and, and, uh, you know, show them, Hey, I'm just, you know, my grappling is strong as well. I'm a, I'm a melting pot of, of tools here. Well, we're looking forward to seeing that melting pot. And once again, fans, this has been Adam Fugate, who fights Yusaku Kinoshita at UFC Vegas 68. That fight, once again, February 4th. Adam, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dan. Have a good day. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Picket, MyBookie, and Maroon Social. And remind you guys that you can check us out on our social media at Top Turtle MMA on both Twitter and Instagram. And until then, or until next week, rather, I'm Dana Govey Reland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we will catch you then.